know it's warm out this evening. Summertime is here. As Bishop Woodson used to say, it's the dog days of summer. So I won't keep you long, but for the time that we're together, I want it to be an impactful time for all of us here. If I had to put a title on this message this evening, it would be, Where and With Whom Will You Stand? We're going to be taking our scripture reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Before I have Brother Brad read that, let's just go to prayer one more time. Lord Jesus, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would open our ears and our hearts to receive your word tonight, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would fill our hearts, Lord, with what you have this evening, Lord God, and let us take it out of this building and put it in our hearts and take it to others, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I wonder what Jesus was feeling as he read the scriptures that day in the synagogue in front of his peers, in front of people that he grew up with, folks in the town that he knew. Um, As it was said, it was where Jesus grew up. I wonder if he was anxious or afraid about telling them Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I wonder if he worried about what the people would have think of him making such a claim. I wonder if his heart was beating and if he had butterflies in his stomach. I wonder what expressions he saw on their faces. I often wonder, was it anger? Was it acceptance? Was it understanding? Or could it even have been rejection or confusion? Possibly even disbelief or indifference at what they had heard. I wonder what he saw in their eyes and how it felt to be looked at by those that were around him. I wonder if he had any idea where all of this might have taken him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release and to release the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
You see, this simply wasn't Jesus just getting up to read an assigned passage for the day. Um, it's not like one of us when we were in Sunday school, or if you're anything like me, and say, oh, it's my schedule to, or my turn to read the Old Testament, or I've got to remember that verse. It, it wasn't anything like that. According to Luke, Jesus found the place where these particular verses were on the scroll, and he intentionally chose them. Jesus is up to something, or maybe should I say that something is up in Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. The same Spirit that descended upon him at his baptism, that filled him and led him in the wilderness, was the same Spirit that returned with him to Galilee. Something was stirring within him. In Luke's account of the gospel, what Jesus reads and says today are the first record of his public speaking. It's the first time it was written down or that we know of that he spoke in front of folks in that setting. He speaks to them in the town in which he grew up, where he worshiped as a child among the people who knew him, his family. It's almost as if Jesus was saying, I'm back and let me tell you who I am and what I am about. Jesus is naming what God is concerned about in, his world, in this world. He's naming a truth and our responsibility for bringing that truth into existence. He's describing the work and the direction of his life and is taking a very, very public stand. I don't know about you, but a little bit terrifying. Bear with me, I'll, I'll get through this thought. If I get emotional, forgive me, it's just so powerful. So just stay with me and I'll try to get you from point A to point B here. It was, wasn't so much terrifying for Jesus' sake, but for my sake and for your sake. All my wonderings about Jesus, about his anxieties and his worries, what he saw and how he felt, you see, that's not Jesus' stuff. That's my stuff. That's Joe. The worry about... The worry about speaking in public, the worry about standing out who I am and about my direction in life and about naming and embracing God's concerns for the world, about giving existence to God's truth in my life and hearing God's truth in yours. See, the question is, how far will I go for this gospel that I claim to love and that I claim to follow? What am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? See, those are choices that I need to make and I do make every single day, not only as a soul winner, but as a husband, as a parent, as a good old American, but also as plain old Joe with all my particulars and all my needs and all the issues and struggles and the things that I wrestle with every single day. So you see, here's what I see in the world and what I read in the life of Jesus, sometimes, perhaps more often than not, the gospel asks us to make a choice, to take a stand. A stand that will inconvenience us to be contrary to our self-interest or put us in conflict or even into opposition with others, ourselves, our family, our spouse, or even the country that we live in. Let me give you a few examples. 
The Bible says, for God so loved the world, John 3.16. That's great. That's an easy one. That's one that we all live and, and go to. How about Luke 6.27, love your enemies? Not so easy to do. The Bible says, I am happy for good news to be brought to the poor, but I resist selling all my possessions and giving money to the poor. Hard for me to give away money. Hard for me to drive by those countless folks every single day and hand out my hard-earned money. And in this day and age, there's a lot of folks that I see in Portland, in Vancouver, everywhere. You see, we claim family is the most important thing in our lives. And then Jesus goes and says that whoever does not hate their father or mother, their wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be his disciple. This is Luke 14 and 26. I've saved, I've worked hard for a comfortable life, and one day hope to retire. But Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Matthew 16 and 19. And I suspect that most of us would rather fight back than turn the other cheek if someone is coming at us. Quite frankly, I don't know how well I'd let someone punch me in the face and turn around and not do anything about it, to be honest with you. Says so I should, but that would be hard for me, being fully transparent. How hard would it be for us to risk our secure lives to offer a stranger into our home or to offer them something that we have stored up for our families? So simply put, yes, I do have some anxieties about sharing and living the gospel. It scares me and it challenges me, but I do not think that I'm the only one. You see, I think that we all have fears and concerns about taking a stand, about embodying and living the gospel. We know there is a claim and a call on all of our lives, but sometimes we do not want to hear that or heed that word. We know how easy and tempting it is to let the gospel go in one ear and out the other. We also know that if Jesus' words are fulfilled in our hearing today, then we have to prepare ourselves and be willing to seek and be forced to change. See, maybe that's why it's so easy that we can talk and laugh about the difference between preaching and meddling. You see, preaching is okay, but meddling is not. You know, we, we all love it when, when Pastor and Brother George and the other folks get up and, and share the word, but we don't always want them to meddle in our lives. I don't think Pastor particularly wants to meddle in our lives either. But you see, Maybe that's why we so often say that religion has no place in politics. Maybe that's why we so often blame the ones Jesus says we should be helping. Maybe that's why we use the church as an escape from rather than an engagement to and with the world. Maybe that's why we are content with just having a friend in Jesus, but not a savior. You see, we like to say that Jesus is on our side we like to say that he, he's on the side of our church, our party, our country, or my way. But maybe that's why Jesus was crucified. Jesus doesn't preach, he meddles. I don't know of anywhere in the gospel where he didn't interject or, or intervene no matter where he went. Everything that he did had a purpose. 
You see, Jesus is not the answer, or just the answer, but he's also a question awaiting a response. Jesus is trouble for the status quo. He's an interruption to the business as usual. The Bible says in Matthew 10 and 34, he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He says the last will be first and the first will be last. His world is one in which the hungry are filled with good things and the rich are sent away empty. You see, that's the promise with today's gospel. Jesus promises a new life and a new ordering of that life. And we are the keepers or breakers of that promise. We can either let him do it through us or with us, or we can not. Jesus can call me to talk to Bob on the street or give $5 or see that gentleman that I'm seeing in my apartment complex every day that gets home the same time as I do, walking with his head down and his lunch bag over his shoulder. And I don't have to listen to that voice that says, go pray for him. I don't have to listen to that voice to say, ask him how he's doing today. You see, there's no neutral stand when it comes to Jesus. We all take a stand. The only question is, where and with whom do we stand? Where do we struggle with this and where are we doing okay with it? I don't know. That's a question that we all have to ask ourselves, not only face-to-face in the mirror, but also with Jesus our Lord. You see, this is less about us believing in certain things and more about how we live and what we do for those around us. It's not asserting a proposition. That's just the challenge Jesus set before his people that day in the synagogue. You see, it's a challenge that Charles Sheldon set before his congregation. Sheldon was a pastor in Topeka, Kansas in the 1800s. Um, He preached a series of sermons that later became a book, which I'm currently reading and have read most of, entitled In His Steps. I don't know if anyone here has read that book or not or, or read about his life. But you see, each sermon became a chapter in his book, and it's a chapter that he's told to his church in the small town of Raymond. In the first chapter, the sermon he has just ended with, his congregation is started by a man's voice calling out in the back of the church. He's described as a, a tramp, a homeless vagrant out of work. He walks down the middle of the aisle in front of all, and he tells the story of having lost his job as a typesetter in a print shop. This book is a little dated, as you can tell. I don't know how many people move little pieces around and make type print anymore. We have this great thing called the internet, but regardless of that, it is still relevant to this story today. He says his wife got sick and later died in their apartment. You see, he was living in a tenement supposedly owned by Christians. His daughter now lives with friends because he can no longer afford to care for her. He describes how he spent the last three days wandering their town and looking for help. And how just the other night he sat outside the church on a warm evening and heard the prayer meeting of the people singing, All for Jesus, all for Jesus. All my beings ransom powers, all my thoughts, all my doings, all my days, and all my hours. It seems to me, he tells that congregation, there's an awful lot of trouble in the world that somehow wouldn't exist. The people who sang such songs went and lived them out. I suppose I don't understand, but what would Jesus do, he says. What would Jesus do 
is not the what would Jesus do of the modern times of bracelets and t-shirts and posters and songs. You see, it's a question not only for others, but it's a question for ourselves. And you see, here's the tricky part. I don't know exactly what Jesus would do today. I don't. If he was walking the streets today and he walked into Eastgate right now, what would he do? I don't know. If he was sitting beside me in my work vehicle as I was driving down the street from job to job, what would he do? I don't know. You see, the best clue that I have is what he did do and what he said about himself, and it's all in the Word. He said, good news to the poor, release the captives, sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed. That's Jesus' path, and it's a way of living and relating more than a checklist of the things that I do, more of the things of what I should think. And I have to ask, are you and I, is Eastgate UPC willing to do this? How far down the, down the path are we willing to go? You see, I don't think I know for certain where this path will lead us, what will happen to us along the way, or what is coming towards us. And yet I am certain of one thing, that we are all being asked to take a stand. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, there's a line drawn in that sand. So I ask you tonight, members of Eastgate, where and with whom do you stand? I had a completely different message prepared. I like to spend a lot of time preparing. It's who I am. I look at my schedule for days and weeks down. I'll be on my app. What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing the next day? What am I doing the day after that? And God decided that he just wanted to throw that all out the window and say, that's, what I, that's not what I want. Yesterday, sitting at my kitchen table, saying, okay, Lord, what do you want? I hear you. I hear you nudging me. I hear you pushing me. And Jesus is saying to this church, to me, to everyone around us, it's time to be the gospel. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, again, I want to thank you for your precious word in our lives, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I ask and I pray. Lord, I plead that you would direct all of us in our daily lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would give us the, the boldness and the strength, Lord God, to, to carry out your good news, to do what you've asked us all and called us all in our lives to do, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you would continue every day to, to touch us and send someone into our lives and send someone into our path that we could touch, Lord, that we would be your physical hand in today's world to show them your love, your compassion, Lord. In Jesus.